Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And after a little bit of an off-season of our own, uh, we are back to talk about the NFL draft. Free agency is pretty much wrapped up now. The NFL schedule is out. And when we last talked, it was still very close to the 2015 season, and we were in a retrospective mood. And now with the draft and free agency being completed, we have the, the games. We know when they're going to be. We are full steam ahead towards 2016. And, Matt, we're not going to go too in-depth into the draft because uh, one of the reasons we haven't had a show until now is uh, we've both had a lot going on and didn't get to dive into the draft too much. Um I think the Packers had some good picks, and we'll go over them, but I still think I, as a fan, have never quite recovered from them moving the draft from Saturday and Sunday to Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and I think my interest in the draft and my following of the draft has plummeted since they've done that. Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's kind of nice to have the primetime thing. I get it a little bit, but I much prefer the getting up on Saturday with a whole day of, like, what was it, three rounds at least, right? Yeah, uh, th- uh, one through three on four. Saturday and then four through seven on Sunday. I, and that was like my favorite day of the year, and I, I liked the draft way much um, better, way much better <laughs> back then. I, I don't know. It's just something about seeing only one round on Thursday night when you got other stuff going on, and then Friday night, like, I don't know. I don't feel like just sitting around watching the draft for two rounds, and it's just like when you know you can dedicate a whole weekend to it, that was kind of special. I miss that. Yeah, I agree, and... Yeah, Friday, I don't know if I've ever watched rounds two and three on Friday. I think you have the hoopla of round one on Thursday night, which I guess is okay, but when your team is consistently picking in the late 20s, it's kind of a drag to have to stay up till 11 on a work night to see them potentially trade away their only pick of the night Um, or pick someone you've never heard of. And granted, uh, it looks like this year Kenny Clark's going to work out. Demarius Randall certainly appears well on his way to being a very good NFL player. But it's just, you know, you stay up and you really don't get the big um, fan moment because you really don't recognize a lot of the guys the Packers end up taking anyways. And, yeah, rounds two and three, like on a Friday night, I I don't care. <laughs> it's just, uh, I don't know. And usually four through seven I'll watch okay, but... um. I'm trying not to be so much like it, you know, critical of stuff happening today and wishing it was like it was in the past because it's never going to change back. So it's kind of stupid to waste your time doing that. But, uh, yeah, it's, I'm sure their ratings are better, but I much prefer the weekend. Well, regardless, the Packers still came to the draft on the three nights, and they picked some uh, solid, if unspectacular, players, um, at least just from a excitement standpoint when you're picking in the late 20s and you have a great quarterback and you have a lot of the exciting positions all locked up you're going to pick a lot of uh, meat and potatoes types players and the Packers got a ton of those in fact somebody pointed out that they only picked one person that is not in the box uh, whether you know a linebacker or, or interior lineman or, or offensive or defensive lineman and so that's certainly bodes well for how much strength we have at quarterback and at wide receiver in the secondary things like that but real quick, we'll go over the selections. Uh, in the first round, the Packers 
pick another kind of stunner. Uh, maybe if you were very, very much in depth into the draft, you might have recognized him or a big Pac-12 fan. I was neither. And so Kenny Clark, the defensive tackle from UCLA, is the uh, first time I'd ever heard his name with the 27th overall pick. In the second round, the Packers trade up to get Jason Spriggs, the offensive tackle from Indiana. They traded their second, fourth, and seventh round picks to the Colts to move up right in front of the Bears and nab a guy that they supposedly were very high on and were targeting. So a little bit of gamesmanship there makes it even more fun and a lot of people talking really highly of him. Kyler Fackrell, is that how you say it? Yeah, I think so. Okay, uh, outside linebacker from Utah State, also supposedly a really good cover guy. Um, in the fourth round, Blake Martinez, the inside linebacker from Stanford. The next pick was Dean Lowry, a defensive end from Northwestern. In the fifth round, Trevor Davis, the speedy wide receiver from Cal. And in the sixth round, the Packers' final pick of the uh, 2016 NFL draft. They got Kyle Murphy, an offensive lineman from Stanford. And Matt, I don't think there's a lot of names that people who are being truthful would recognize um, as people that were highly touted prior to the draft. Uh, perhaps if you're a big college football fan, you might recognize a couple of those. But just having been introduced to most of these guys for the first time after the Packers selected them, hearing some of the talk about them, granted you've never picked a guy ever and then they just come out and say, oh, this guy's trash, he's probably not going to make the team. Um, everybody sounds great at this stage when you're just reading the scouting reports, but it sounds like there's an opportunity for some really solid players here. Right, I mean, especially up at the top too, you're hearing things that, that these guys could be real franchise-type players, and you know, you see people miss in the draft all the time so if you can get out of your 27th pick and your 48 overall pick if you can get guys like that i mean that's obviously huge if you can lock down a tackle on an end um but i i mean if they pick the positions i would hope they would pick maybe not necessarily in the order i would hope they would have picked them but you could still get the production out of that and a guy like blake martinez who they're going to need to probably produce right away mm-hmm. um it's exciting and you get a speedster like trevor davis and you get some other positions you really need. So hopefully they can kind of fill up the depth a little bit here. And, I mean, if you can get three of these guys to help right away this year, I'd say it's a pretty good victory for them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Kyler Fackrell is the one who really intrigues me. And uh, Vic Ketchman on Packers.com described him as having the skill set to be the Packers' Chad Brown uh, in the middle that he can rush the passer, but he can also cover tight ends. The picture that they have him on the Journal Sentinel actually has him with the ball running it back. So that's a, a good sign. Uh, maybe a little slow in that capacity, but um, you're for me, I'm always a little bit weary of the small school hybrid type guys because they seem to be very boom or bust. Yeah. But I'm excited to see what he can maybe do and... I know we definitely needed a, an inside linebacker, and it sounds like Blake Martinez is one of the better tacklers that was in the draft, so there's certainly a chance that they got him anyways. But when it comes down to it, I really think that it's always going to be about rushing the passer. And as we saw last year with Dom Capers, they didn't have a middle linebacker on the field on, on long yardage second down, and on third down they just put all of their pass rushers in at linebacker and just made you guess which three of the four are coming. Right, and yeah. we kind of talked about this a little bit last week, and you kind of get the feeling that Ted Thompson and maybe this coaching staff just really undervalues that position. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, a lot of times in the passing situations, they won't be on the field as much, but if you can get a guy like Blake Martinez or, you know, Jake Ryan or whoever it is out there that's maybe not super athletic but just a good tackler in running situations, then maybe that's all you need from that. So maybe that's why you draft a position you really need in the fourth round. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they use them. And maybe it just, I, I forgot about all the guys that they're getting back. And I saw one draft grade for the Packers, uh, give them a, a B or a B minus. And they said, with all the trouble that the Packers had throwing the football last year, it's a shock that they waited until the fifth round to pick a wide receiver. Well, it's, it's nice to target people in the draft, but on the flip side, the Packers are getting back Jordy Nelson and Ty Montgomery that are going to be, Jordy Nelson certainly is going to be probably better than anybody in the draft this year. And, uh, Ty Montgomery showed a lot of promise as well. And so you, you're getting back in the middle linebacker area, you're getting back Sam Barrington. And so, um, I wouldn't be all that shocked to see AJ Hawk somehow wind up here for, you know, 600 yeah. grand a year. But, I don't know. I, I think they added some good depth pieces, and last year was really weird, but I think we all were smart enough to realize how big of a toll injuries had played on this team, and you know, even for me, who likes to say the sky is falling a lot of times, I really didn't go into this draft thinking that it was going to make or break this team. I was just hoping they'd nab a couple of good players. Well, right. I mean, they go into this pretty much... They could have used somebody at every position on the field, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, other other than quarterback and kicker. So I, I mean, to say what you said about the receivers, I, I'm fine with that. I mean, you go into the season, you've got Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Montgomery, Janice as your four, probably with Devonte Adams, who's played a lot. I, although we can't stand him sometimes. Yeah. If that's your fifth option, or this guy is your fifth option, you're pretty well set there. I, I mean, I'm okay with that starting four. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I mean, you really just. You can add some depth, just get some extra bodies and pass rushers to throw out there and some offensive linemen for when they get banged up during the year. So, yeah, I think this could potentially really help. Yeah, talking about the wide receivers, a fifth-round pick is kind of right on the fringe. Like, most of the time, a fifth-round pick means you're going to make the team. But Jordy Nelson, uh, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Ty Montgomery, Jeff Janis, Jared Aberderis, now Trevor Davis. They bring in three other uh, sets of uh, hands to be in the training camp, who none of those guys probably have a chance. But you got to think you, you cannot keep seven wide receivers. I don't care if two of them are really good at kick returning. And this Trevor Davis has a lot of the same measurables that Jeff Janis has, and I know uh, Jeff Janis became the people's champion a little bit towards the end of last year and had an amazing playoff game, but they still didn't trust him very much, and it took a whole bunch of injuries for them to even allow him to be on the field. And then you start looking at a guy like Jared Aberderis, who everybody likes. He's a he's a very popular locker room guy. He seems to be very smart. But athletically, can he compete with the other guys that were mentioned? you got to think that one of those seven, at least, maybe two, are going to get cut. And yeah, by this point, and, and, and those guys aren't going to clear waivers anymore. If you put Jeff Janis or uh, Jared Aberderis on waivers anymore, they're gone forever. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to keep Aberderis, but you would think that he's probably... I would think at this point, after how much Janis flashed in that playoff game, you've got to keep him. I mean, you saw potential to be a really, really great receiver, even if they didn't trust him for whatever reason. They got him in there, and he did more than you could have expected. Yeah. And you kind of wonder if, after last year, if Adams is possibly on the way out the door and they're looking to replace him a little bit because i i mean when i labeled off the depth chart before he was the fifth guy i mentioned you can't it's hard to predict him being the fifth receiver type guy i don't know it just seems kind of strange so 
they're going to have to do some moves and get rid of somebody or maybe trade somebody to somebody in need. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we're going to lose some some people that uh, everybody knows and likes. Yeah, I think Adams is probably safe just being a second-round pick. He's only know. in the – really? It was just so bad last year. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just think it's a money thing, perhaps, that they'll just let him work it out. But, man, you wonder if Ty Montgomery would have played a whole season if that changes a little bit because – he only played six games, and the joke um, between me and, and some folks at work who I talk football with is every time they want to say Ty Montgomery's coming back, I always say that the Packers have never lost a game with him in the lineup, which is, is true because he only played the, during the 6-0 and start. But he showed some great flashes, and the offense, for whatever reason, seemed to work better when he was there. Um, granted, I'm sure that's not the reason. Maybe it's 10% of the reason why the offense nosedived in the end of the year. But, yeah... Adams is the least dynamic of those guys, maybe with the exception of Abraderis, who I think, had he not been a Badger, I think people would maybe not look at him with such rose-colored glasses. But Right, and he even he played well in the playoff game, but he does things that you can find from other guys, too. And as much as I like him, I think he's got good hands and could be a good player in the NFL. He's probably, I would think, the odd man out at this point, for sure. Yeah, you could probably draft a Jared Abraderis every year. Heck, the Badgers seem to get one every year. Alex Erickson's not that much different than him. He, he's smaller, but the, the production was pretty much the same, playing the same style. Right. So is there um, – gosh, I don't have a whole lot more to say about any of these guys. I thought it was telling that they traded up to get an offensive tackle, and I know the, the Packers have a best player available type strategy, but to me – this is that doesn't mean trading up for best player. That usually means you sit for where you are. So they obviously like something there. Well, not only do they like him, but I think it's also putting T.J. Lang, Josh Sitton, and especially David Bakhtiari on notice, saying, "Hey guys, we like you, and you've done some good things here, but um, you better put your best foot forward in your contract here because we drafted one and potentially two. Um, the guy they got in the sixth round, um, Murphy, apparently." Some people say he dropped because he was too injured to take part in some of the combine stuff. So potentially, and and they've definitely been successful that late in the draft at getting offensive linemen in the past. So I think they're putting those guys on notice that, hey, we really like you, but if you don't produce, we got some guys to replace you. Yeah, I like the pick. I mean, you're throwing in whatever position you could find last year at tackle just because of injuries. So if anything, you get depth for a couple of years, and you're not going to be able to keep everybody around forever. This guy gets a chance to maybe be a backup or fill in at some spot duty, um, potentially be a starter someday. I, I think it's great. I mean, you've got some guys that had a tackle that they didn't want to even put in at tackle last year because they were so bad. <laughs> so, yeah. so you get a guy like this or two guys like that, I, I think that's great for the competition. Did they re-sign Don Barclay? I thought I saw they I did. I swear I saw that, yeah, and I thought of you instantly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We lost it last year when he would, they wouldn't put him in there at his own position because he wasn't good enough at it. Yeah, why would you even bring him in then? Um, I'm trying to see. They don't have hardly anything on him. <laughs> All I see, is, there's like two sentences out of on Wikipedia, and one of them says, he currently starts at right tackle for the injured Brian Bulaga, and there's like one of those... Um, notations in there that just says when next to currently so not not a very detailed page it says apparently he still is with the Packers but um why would you have a guy uh, I'll reiterate what I said after the Arizona game why the heck would you have a guy on your team who you would rather have someone who doesn't play that position play his position uh that's just ridiculous um was there any other I don't want to go pick by pick um was there any other big things that stood out to you maybe we'll talk about the quarterbacks but um I know you really liked the Treadwell pick by the Vikings. 
Well, I, I guess you could say I hate it. I, this is the one guy, <laughs> him and then Doxon from TCU if I was going to pick a receiver, but I'm scared of Treadwell real bad. Yeah. I know his 40 times stunk, but I, I, for some reason over the last few years, I've watched an absolute ton of Ole Miss games, and he always seems to just light up all these SEC defenses. And I was kind of hoping that's one of the guys I don't want to see go to a division team because I feel like he's going to be great for 10 years. It's just one of those picks like AP or Calvin Johnson or even like Alshon Jeffrey. As soon as they happen, I'm like, Damn it! Because yeah. you just kind of—I don't know—just have that feeling that this is going to be somebody that gives them trouble, and they've been lucky enough to not have a decent receiver on the Vikings forever now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that could be a huge pick for them. I, I hope it doesn't turn out for our sakes, but I'm afraid it's going to be a, a little bit of a pain for the years to come. How well did he play last year? Because uh, really well. Yeah, he, he, he did. He came okay. back from that injury that he had at when, what that LSU game two years ago. Uh, it was in 14. It was when they were like number one or two in the country, and then as oh, I felt. I've never felt worse for a guy that wasn't on one of the teams I cared about than when he got his knee obliterated or ankle, whatever it was, as he would have been the biggest hero in Ole Miss football, and then they end up losing and plummeting in the polls, and then he has his leg all wrecked. But I, yeah, that was, he was in a monster 14. that whole game too. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah last year he played really well too, especially when they're on their win streak. So I think he—I uh, don't know his numbers, but I think he had double-digit touchdowns, like fifteen hundred receiving yards. Jeez. Okay. Well, we'll see how that works out. He's still got old medicine ball throwing it to him, so maybe it won't matter anyways. But um, The quarterback situation, the first thing that I thought was funny is how great that Nick Foles-Sam Bradford trade must have been if both teams are willing to mortgage their franchises two years later to get into the quarterback draft uh, scenarios. At least it was completely even. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody yeah. messed up on anything, I guess, too bad. But, yeah, so bad. And I, I'm a little afraid for both of those teams that they kind of dr- – drafted up or traded up into the draft to get similar type guys yeah i i guess i don't know much about either of those guys but um i mean i know carson wentz but he played at a tiny school and and jared goff i mean i know who he is and, and all that but you know most of these guys who have been drafted towards the top have been touted in college and he was just a guy who a lot of people thought was was decent and maybe you could correct me if i'm wrong but it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of buzz, and then all of a sudden they're like, well, I guess he's the best after well, the season was over. I remember early in the season everybody was talking about how he was the next Roger, and I, I watched some film on him. It's just hipping the ball in there. I was like, oh, my God, they're right. Like, this guy's insane. And then I think the, the game that night was the Utah game that I watched, and he threw, like, four picks and just looked atrocious. Yeah. And I think people kind of forgot about him at that point. Okay. Um, but then, yeah – for Wentz, I mean, he threw for like 1,600 yards last year. It's hard to take Ooh. a guy super seriously as an NFL prospect with that few of yards in D2 yeah. or, you know, FCS1. It's, yeah. uh, I don't know, it's, they could turn out. I mean, you always see these guys from little schools turn out like Flacco. I didn't think was going to be anything, and it, yeah. it works sometimes. I just, one of these guys is going to be a bust. I can almost guarantee that. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how it all works out and, um, you would think both of them would start right away, right? Uh, Goff for sure. Yeah, I, I'm sure Goff for sure, but I, I don't think there's any way you can start a guy like Wentz right away. Oh, yeah, they still have Bradford, right? Even though he sort yeah. of he wants a trade, but who the heck's going to trade now that the draft is over? Yeah, that's the interesting thing. With with Philly, I mean, even throw the Rams in there, but then Denver, all these other teams that drafted quarterbacks, from everything I heard about the scouts, say none of them are even close to being ready yet. Apparently Especially Denver Paxton Lynch for Denver and he's yeah. probably the one who's going to be forced to start the soonest. Well, I was talking to again my source is a friend of mine at work, but he's a Raiders fan so he pays attention to all that stuff. Um he said that Denver announced that their opening day starter no matter what's going to be Mark Sanchez. 
That's good. So, um, for two weeks, probably. <laughs> yeah, throws nine interceptions against the, the Panthers. Um, one thing I did want to cover, um, there were a lot of those middle linebackers that the Packers could have drafted, but they all had like injury problems. Um, they had uh, Jalen Smith was up there. Um, Hunter Henry was a, a tight end that a lot of people really wanted the Packers to take that they passed on as well. Um, how did you feel about that? Reggie Raglan, they could have got him too. They didn't get him. Uh, so do you think they made the right decision passing on those guys? Yeah, I think so. It's so hard for somebody like you or I to really make an educated yeah. comment on that, though, because, I mean, we're not in with the doctors. We don't really know, and you know if the Packers felt like Malcolm Smith was going to be an elite player or had a chance to come back strong, they probably would have went for it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They they shouldn't have taken him in the first round, and they were gone by the time it got around to them again in the second round for at least those two guys. Um, yeah. The, the other UCLA guy. I forget his name. Oh, off the top of my head. I, I know. I, I, I was trying to uh, – Miles Jack. Miles Jack, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I wasn't too bummed about that. It would have been nice to have one, but I, they probably know what they're doing, and I, I don't think that they would have picked one of those guys, or they probably would have picked one of those guys if they thought it was a safe pick. So I'm, I'm okay staying clear of those guys. They don't seem to work out very often. Yeah, and the one that kind of sucks is that uh, Jalen Smith ended up in Dallas, but you know when Miles Jack went to Jacksonville and then Reggie Raglan went to Buffalo, I'm like, eh, okay, who cares? <laughs> because they're in the AFC and they're teams that. Or at least at the time, at the moment, are pretty much um, not teams you actively root against or are fearful of. So um, it is what it is. But what the the um, Miles Jack had a what a hairline fracture or something in his knee, and then Reggie Raglan has a heart problem, which is very scary. Apparently, it's something that they think they can treat if you just stay on top of. But uh, especially if you liked Kenny Clark, which probably had more to do with it than anything else, and Yes, we need a, a linebacker, and we got some in the draft, but I think Kenny Clark made a lot more sense once B.J. Raji decided to take his year off. Yeah. Which I don't yeah, think I, we've I, talked I about know. yet because we've been off for so long, but um, that's uh, certainly a weird situation. Yeah, I, well, I guess in terms of the linebackers, I mean, there's, it's so risky to take these guys. I'm just trying to think back of some of the guys like that that have these health problems, and, and I can't think of any. I'm sure there's been some that end up working out. Um, Willis McGahee, maybe, but that was like a pretty standard injury. Right, yeah, that's just an ACL. But it just seems like these guys that are high risk, they always end up keep getting hurt all the time. So at least you get a player that you're pretty confident can play for a while. Yeah, absolutely, and at least can play this year. So I'm I'm happy with it. I could understand how some fans would be frustrated with it, but um, like I said at the beginning of the show, one of the reasons we don't do or didn't do a pre-draft show this year is because I just... At this point, I, I really have no idea what Ted's going to do, and it obviously he's nearly infinitely more smarter, more smarter than I am, <laughs> smarter than I am. Uh, with these, it's our first show back. <laughs> yeah, we need training camp again, I think. <laughs> but anyways, I was satisfied with the Packers draft, so I'll just put it at that. Yeah, and in terms of BJ Raji, I had to just Google it because I it's been so long that I totally forgot that even happened. <laughs> so yeah. Like, oh yeah, that's right. I don't remember what I think it was a family thing. I don't know. We just sound like two idiots at the bar right now. Hey, did you hear about BJ Raji? <laughs> That's all right. That's kind of the point of the show. But yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see if he sticks to it. At what he's going to be like thirty years old or thirty-one years old by this time next year. You wonder if he'll be able to get back into it. 
I guess. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I have a hard time believing anybody's. I mean, somebody will sign him to a small contract. I, I would think. I guess, but it's not like he was super sought after even two years ago or last year or anything like that. I, it's hard to believe he's going to get a big contract or anything after sitting out a whole year and probably getting even bigger. Yeah, but if you could have those big, huge guys like Tony Saragusa that played for like a million years and just That's true Gilbert Brown. Yeah, Gilbert Brown just got huge and stuffed themselves into those uniforms and just took up space. <laughs> I mean, although it's a different game now, I think you have to... I don't think Tony Saragusa could have been playing for 15 years in the modern NFL. Okay, so um, I don't have a whole lot uh, left on the draft. I guess we could talk about the schedule which came out, which usually is my most favorite time of the... NFL offseason to see the schedule and all the games, and I didn't even know the schedule was coming out until it was announced. Um, I've been real busy at work and stuff, so I haven't had much time to think about it, but an, a very odd schedule. They start at the Jaguars and at the Vikings, and I think I read it was the first time since the 20s that the Packers have started on the road two games in a row. And then they have four home games in a row with a bye in the middle. And I know the bye in the middle kind of breaks it up, but I've never seen four home games in a row for the Packers. Uh, I feel like the Giants or somebody had that a couple years ago. Um, so uh, kind of a weird schedule, three straight road games uh, at the end of November. But when you're looking at this schedule, obviously things change, and it never quite works out how you think it will, but... There is no reason that the this Packer team, if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, uh, shouldn't be pretty much a shoe in at least to make the playoffs again. Yeah, I remember pretty much every year looking at the schedule when it comes out and being like, "Darn, like <laughs> they're screwed." But <laughs> yeah. you look at it this year and it's there's maybe like two games you're like, "Yeah, they could probably lose that one, maybe two or three. I mean, even with all the questions we have about this team, you look at the schedule and you think they're going to the playoffs right away. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of up-and-coming teams. You could run into some trouble, even against a team like Jacksonville or whatever, but Tennessee, that you maybe don't expect right now. But it looks, I mean, you play the AFC South, which has been bad for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> you look at the rest of the teams. you got, you got Philly on here now. Um, and, you know, the NFC East in general, you're not too scared about anymore. Mm-hmm. And then the AFC West, which is always average, and Denver doesn't look as scary as they once did. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm I'm feeling confident. I mean, things will change, but I, I like the way it looks right now. Yeah, and... And, and obviously they don't play Denver. Anyway, so <laughs> I think you meant the South, right? Out, but somebody was going to catch it. <laughs> no, I was just going to let it go, but... but can't, can't let that go. No, no, I think that was good. Um, I have no idea what I was going to say. Um, yeah, sorry, this is so bad. No, <laughs> it's, it's fine. Um... The, the, oh, yeah, there was a couple of things. So first, I uh, relating to the two Vikings games. So I looked it up. They're opening the Vikings' new stadium as their first opponent. And the Packers, uh, they lost their first game at Lambeau after the remodel. But outside of when they played at the Silverdome, every other first appearance in the opposing stadiums of their division rivals, they've won. So... That's kind of exciting, right? Yeah, nice. So they won their first game at the Metrodome. They won their first game at Metropolitan Stadium. They were won their first game at uh, Soldier Field in 1970. Then the, the spaceship. Yep. Then the spaceship. They won there. They won their first game at Ford Field in 2002. So obviously the Packers are going to win. And they play the Vikings on December 24th. Which, if you remember, the last few times that 
the football has been on December 24th, which if I, I don't know if we've talked about it on this podcast, but it's one of Matt and my favorite things is when there's NFL football on Christmas Eve. And for whatever reason, the Packers have either gotten a Christmas Day game or they've been on Thursday prior to Christmas Eve. So the last few times it's been on the schedule, they haven't played on Christmas Eve. And I think the last time they did was 2004 against the Vikings. Um, but they've never lost on Christmas Eve in our lifetime. So that's good. Nice. Yeah, and that game in 04 was, uh, I mean, that was that shootout game, right? I think mm-hmm. Burleson kind of tore them apart, but they still won with no defense. Yes, that was the, I always think of the Favre getting crushed and throwing it to Javon Walker on the sideline to set up the field goal. Yeah. So that was... Well, uh, yeah, that's exciting. Fun. What other? Do you know what other games are on that day, or is it a full slate? Um, It is a full slate, but let me see. Um, The opener is... What? I was going to just try to talk about something while I type here, but I'm uh, not that skilled. Okay, let's see. Week 16, we've got a lot of junk. Ooh, uh, Christmas Eve night, Bengals at Texans. Ooh. Right. Um, ugh, there's literally nothing else I really want to watch on here. A and lot then of... the Packers color splash game or whatever they call those ones. Which one? <laughs> Who are they playing for that one? Color rush. I don't know. I thought it has to be a Thursday game, so yeah, they, they play Bears and Vikings. Yeah, so it'll be one of those two. And I, the rumor is it's going to be all gold. Which <sighs> stupid. They're all greens would be so cool. I'm a little disappointed by that. Yeah, um, it hasn't been finalized though yet. It's just well, maybe it has been, but we just don't know about it. They had that all gold uniform on uh, what was it? NFL. Either ESPN, NFL, 2K5, because they were rumored that they were going to wear it in 2004, and then somebody wised up and said, this is the stupidest thing of all time, and we're not going to wear those. But do you remember, like, in Shields and stuff, those mm-hmm. jerseys being sold? Yeah, people still have those jerseys. They're disgusting. I don't understand. Yeah, it's got to be the Bears game, right, because that's the only Thursday game on the schedule here, so they're probably going, I don't know, all eight navy or all orange wouldn't be too bad for them, but you would think if your choice is either green or all yellow after seeing... Who was it last year? The Rams had those all yells that were really bad, too. Yeah. At least those were somewhat, I, I think not the yellow pants, but the yellow tops and helmets was at least what they wore in, I think, the 50s when, like, Norman yeah. Van Brocklin was there. So it at yeah. least had some history behind it. Oh, I, I can't find anything that it's been decided yet other than an article on Packers.com where they were having a Q&A and they asked whether the fans would like green or yellow. So, well, I kind of want to see what a green Packers helmet looks like. Well, the like an alternate universe. I want to see that. Well, they wouldn't change the helmet because the NFL has a new oh, rule right, that you have can. to. Yeah, so that's why like the buckle Bruce can't be worn anymore by the Tampa Bay Bucks because they ha- have to have the same helmet all the time. Sure. But the yellow helmet with all green was actually their uniforms for a couple of seasons in the 50s. So that would at least have some history behind it. Sure. Although those were like those Dick the Bruiser really terrible seasons. So I don't know. Who cares? All right, so I asked for some help to talk about it, because if you've made it this far in the podcast, clearly we need it. Big fan. <laughs> so we, uh, um, uh, Daniel Johnson gave us a whole bunch of topics here. I don't know if we'll get to all of them. I'm not going to lie. When I first started reading your list, Daniel, I was like singing it to uh, We Didn't Start the Fire in my head a little bit here, like NFL schedule, NFL draft box trading back and around. So obviously... Uh, I'm not the best uh, singer either, but okay. NFL schedule, NFL draft. Um, the Bucks apparently traded back into the round for a kicker. I really uh, don't know anything about that. But. Classic Bucks. Yeah, they got that uh, guy from Florida State who's supposed to be one of the best kicking prospects in a really long time, but still, 
why is Florida State have all the highest drafted kickers like in history? That freaking Janikowski was a first rounder. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. He, I mean, he was good in college, but it's hard to. I don't know. I, I guess I'm kind of torn on this because I heard people ripping it, and I was thinking about it a little bit. In that, I know kickers are often ripped on, but really, you would think the differential in between between wins and losses on a bad kicker and good kick, kicker team is probably more than like a team with like a bad D tackle and a good D tackle. I mean, they can they can clearly decide a game numerous times. Yeah. So, I, I guess if you lock down a guy like we have with Mason, although he was bad for a couple of years, but I mean, we've won games specifically because of that, whereas a guy on an 11 man front or on offense doesn't, you know what I'm trying to say at least? Like, yeah. you can't necessarily swing a, a game the way a good kicker can. Yeah, that's a really interesting discussion, and I don't know if I have a very intelligent answer to that, but yeah, is a, is Adam Benetieri worth more to your team than, uh, Willie McGinnis? You know, or or something like that. Maybe he's a bad example, but is he worth more than David Givens or or something like that? Just a guy who's not going to turn the tide. And so, if you're in the second round, would you want to get a J. Ron Elliott or would you want to get uh, Mason Crosby, who's going to have the game in his hands? So, right. it, that's that's a good point. I, I heard a lot of people talking about the potential or the reason they might have done it is because of the new extra point rule. But um, I feel like that would be a little bit of an overreaction. Because it's not like people were putting up 1950s straight-on offensive lineman numbers last year. I mean, they still were pretty high. Um, but that's interesting. Jared Cook, forgot to talk about him. So thank you for bringing that up, uh, Daniel Johnson. So the Packers actually did reach into the free agent pool and pick out a somewhat notable name in uh, former Rams tight end Jared Cook. He had almost identical numbers to Richard Rodgers last year. But, of course, he was playing with an epic slew of scrubs. Uh, and for the Rams at quarterback, and also apparently he's a pretty good blocker, which Richard Rodgers is not. Yeah, I I really really like this move, and it was one of those that you knew that we were going to hear about all offseason. The Packers weren't going to do it, so when they finally signed him, I was really excited. He's a little bit of a different player than Rodgers. He's a better blocker. He's more athletic, and like you said, he we basically had to force feed Rodgers the ball, where this guy is can go up and make some space, make some nice catches and do it himself with nobody throwing him the football. So mm-hmm. if anything you add another body and get rid of some of these other tight ends that we've been having around on the roster forever that are kinda meh and always have been. I so I, I really like the pickup. Not a huge splash, but it's gonna help. Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see what happens and maybe is Corliss still on the team and if if he's not, he probably uh, might not make it through training camp with all the wide receiver talent. Yeah, have. probably. Um, which is, I mean, he's been a nice player and stuff, but I think it's probably time to move on from that. A, a sixth round, decent tight end who's been on the team, what, seven years? That's just, yeah. that could only happen on the Packers. Yeah. Um, Broncos going with Lynch and Sanchez, so I have it from a, a source of a source of a source of a source of a fan that, uh, Sanchez is starting the season, so, um, you know, I, I have no idea yet, but you would think that Lynch would have to have a remarkably good training camp and preseason to even threaten Mark Sanchez, at least in the early going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if that team wasn't in such a average division, I might be afraid that they're going to miss the playoffs, and they still might. Mm-hmm. I mean, with Sanchez at the helm, it's, they had such bad quarterback play last year that you think they can do it, but that's kind of scary going into the season with that. Mm-hmm. And Kansas City's still pretty good, so I think they'll probably yeah. win that division. Although every time I think the Chiefs are going to be good, they're terrible, and the inverse is true. So Yeah, and Oakland seems to be coming, too. I mean, if they get nine wins, they might win that division. Yeah, very possible. Ryan Fitzpatrick with a question mark. Um, I have no idea what that's referring to. I haven't been paying attention to old Fitzy. Um, yeah, why is he still in the NFL? That's what I want to know. 
Well, he apparently wants like twenty million a year or something like that, and the Jets are only giving him seven, and he won't take it. But nobody else is offering <laughs> him anything. So, and then they went and drafted somebody, so he might have kind of screwed himself out of a contract. But he apparently said he's willing to retire if he doesn't get the money he wants. I don't understand. Like, I guess he he's from you know he's got a Harvard education and all that, but I don't I don't quite understand. <laughs> well, like, I, I guess if you look at it, if you're him, I mean, think about it. You're like, I just set the Jets. All-time single-season passing touchdown record. Ooh, tough. And guys like Ryan Mallett are getting, or not Ryan Mallett, uh, he's not anywhere. But Tannehill. Uh, Tannehill. Well, I was I was trying to think of the guy that went to Houston from Denver. Oh, uh, Osweiler, uh, yeah. He's getting big contracts. Kaepernick's getting big contracts. But I think the thing is with those guys is they have potential upside where he's a guy who's been in the league a long time and has put up a lot of really bad seasons too. Yeah. So I, I think it's hard for people to commit $15 million a year for a guy who's in his 30s and has been so inconsistent. Yeah, this would be a bit like Chris Chandler, like playing hardball after the '98 season. It just doesn't quite make any sense. You're you're pretty old at that point. You should. Just... Yeah, I mean, his last season was the at best scenario for yeah. him. So it's not going to get any better than that. So I would be pretty cautious too. Although seven million's really low. Yeah, it, it does seem low, but I, I definitely wouldn't pay him more than twelve. Yeah, I I wouldn't either. Doug Peterson as coach of the Eagles. Um, I think it'll be interesting. He actually was able to get Alex Smith to be as dynamic as he's ever been uh, last season. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in Philadelphia. Um, I want to see how quickly they'll be able to, um, well, I guess Chip Kelly didn't do quite as much damage on that roster as I feared he might. I know he traded a lot of stuff, but he traded for some bizarre players. I thought for sure he would target more guys that really fit into his system, and he seemed to just be wanting to turn over the roster just for the sake of it. And, you know, it's not like he completely changed it beyond um, recognition for a guy like Peterson to come in with a more pro-style offense and, and change it back in a quick enough time. Well, and they were able to trade away a lot of the damage that was done. They got rid of Byron Maxwell's huge contract to the Dolphins and Kiko Alonso, who they traded for. So, nice. I, I mean, when you look at it, LaShawn McCoy, I, there's a chance he might not have signed back there, so you might lose him anyways. But then the two big contracts and big guys you bring in are those guys and then Bradford. And there's a chance Bradford will be gone and those other two guys are gone. So you lose all those contracts, so you're kind of just basically starting from scratch with what you had before. Yeah, so maybe they were right to get rid of Chip so fast. I know I, I disagreed with it because I he had two 10-win seasons in his first two years. But, um, yeah, I, I think they, they've done pretty well so far, it seems. Sam Bradford, his ridiculous contract and demanding a trade. I think we talked about that before, but um, mm-hmm. that, he's so... He's the worst. Yeah, he's just so boring. I can't stand that guy. Um, I don't have anything against him personally. He just represents... I do. <laughs> do you really? <laughs> what for? I just can't stand the fact that he wants to hold out and is whining that he doesn't get like the starting job handed to him and that they traded up to draft somebody. He's He's been so average for his whole career and has gotten all this money and now is, feels the right to whine when he doesn't, you know, he isn't the starter going into a season. I just don't get it. Yeah, he's, what has he had, like half of a good season, like in his whole career? I don't, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm a, I agree with you now. Screw that guy. <laughs> The Raiders, uh, where are they going to end up? So they, their owner, Mark Davis, owns some land outside of Austin, Texas, or between Austin and San Antonio where they could theoretically build a stadium. Uh, they're signed to play in Oakland through the end of 2016 now. 
Um, they're probably not going to move to Los Angeles, although there's a greater chance now because when initially that deal went down, it was thought that San Diego would go to Los Angeles to help the Rams pay for their stadium, but now it sounds like San Diego has a really nice deal in place to stay in San Diego. So now the Rams are kind of left hanging with a stadium that they probably can't afford to to have by themselves, but the Raiders just put forth a commitment to build a huge stadium in Las Vegas, and they're going to pay for $500 million of it. And then I think, I don't know if that includes the NFL's $200 million contribution that they give to every team that builds a new stadium. So it'll be interesting so, okay. to see what happens with this. Um, I don't guess I don't particularly care where they end up. Um, I really I, I like the Raiders and their history, but part of their history is that they're kind of a mercenary and they'll play in any town that'll pay them the most to be there. So I think it, uh, from a narrative standpoint, they probably belong in Las Vegas. Yeah, they've moved a bunch, and they sure seem like a team that fits. And like you said, they're not one of those teams that I'm going to be personally hurt because of the nostalgia and the history if they move. Like San Diego would have kind of hurt my soul a little bit. <laughs> so um, the Raiders moving, it's, yeah, like you said, kind of whatever. They can go wherever they want. I just imagine Stan Humphrey standing there while the bus leaves uh, in, yeah, in poor San Diego. So sad. <laughs> but it sounds like they're going to stay, which of all the teams that were involved in that, that they were the one I absolutely wanted to stay, and I, I really didn't care what happened to the other two. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Hall of Fame class of 2021. Yikes. Um, that's a good question, but that's way out. Obviously, Manning and Woodson are in. Or locks, yeah. Marshawn, probably not a first ballot. No. Andre Down, probably not a first ballot. Logan Mankins, not a first ballot. Andre Johnson, definitely not, if guys like Marvin Harrison and Terrell Owens can't get in. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good class for sure, but I would think Manning and Woodson are probably the only first ballots on there. Yeah. You wonder what's going to happen to a guy like Marshawn Lynch, because I don't know if he has the total statistics to do it, and he was... You know, he was dominant at his position, but, you know, it's more of a short-term thing, and I don't even think he has 10,000 yards, and if he does, it's barely, and there's probably 20 guys that have that now. Man, if you put him in because of championships or what have you, then why the heck isn't Terrell Davis in, I think? Um, it'll be interesting, though. Charles Woodson and Manning are absolute locks, though, for sure. Yep. Uh, so we talked about BJ Raji a little bit. No more new episodes of Path to the Draft, which was very heartbreaking to me. I don't know if you caught that series at all uh, last year, the reruns this year. Uh, just here and there. I guess I wasn't too into it, so okay. I'll what? let you talk about that. Well, it, it just was a series where they would go in-depth on a few guys in an old draft, and they would talk about some of the maneuvers that were going on. and some. Oh, of the... yeah, that one. That was a good show. Yeah, it was, and uh, I was really hoping for some new ones this year, but it, apparently they don't like it. Well, the NFL Network should be renamed the Football Life Network because that's all they show when they're not showing live stuff. Yeah, I thought that was more what that was. I, I misunderstood. Yeah, that show, I, I caught all of them that were on last year. That was a good show. I thought it was the one where they like follow the rookies before the draft. No, that's – um. um oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Path like to something about rookie, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, path to the draft was good. I, it was weird, yeah. kind of the sporadic ones they picked last year, but I, yeah. all of them I thought were really good. And actually, Daniel's mistaken here. Path to the draft, you're right, Matt. That is the one where they follow the rookies. Caught in the draft is the classic one. Yeah, yeah, that one's so good. So path to the draft, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, take a path elsewhere, pals. Um, Skip Bayless and Mike Tirico are leaving ESPN. I hope Skip Bayless goes and works for some uh, company in some country that I have no access to. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is basically where he went, right? Didn't he go to Fox or something? Fox, like yeah. Who so watches that network? Cool. Does anybody watch yeah, Fox Sports 1? No, nobody does. Yeah. yeah. I'm always curious as the guy like these guys like Rome and Skip Bayless and all these guys that are getting these big contracts 
all the time. And uh, who was that other guy who used to be on in the morning for you? Uh, Cowherd. Cowherd. Like, I've never heard of from them again. Yeah. I mean, Rome is on the NBC stuff sometimes for the NFL, but mm-hmm. it's like you get your big contract and go somewhere else, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm sad about Tariko, but Skip Bayless leaving is awesome. Yeah, so uh, Tariko is going to NBC, and they made it sound like he's going to do the Thursday games that NBC has uh, uh, late in the season. So they're changing up that Thursday night football again. I think it's CBS for half the year and NBC for half the year. And so he was going to do those instead of Al Michaels. But that leaves a gaping hole at ESPN for the Monday night football time slot. And uh, Gruden is going to be their Madden. So I'd imagine he's going to be entrenched there forever. He's practically evolved into what their, their Dick Vitale or, or, you know, any, he's, he's there for life as long as he wants to be, I would think. Um, I mean, they have so many talented guys that they could go with, uh, especially when you start thinking about the college football. Um, Sean, I can't remember his name, Sean something or other, who works with uh, Chris Spielman on the college football broadcast was one name that I saw um, show up for a potential replacement for Tariko. Okay. Sean something? Peterson? Yeah. Something? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure I know if I heard the voice, but I don't recognize Yeah, him. you would. He does a lot of Badger games. And... Um, so the Starks and Lacey stuff, I, I'll have to wait to see Lacey before I want to talk about that. The NFL on Twitter, I don't really know much about that. So real quick, Matt, we'll talk about this and then we'll get out of here. Do NFL championships before the Super Bowl count? Uh, sometimes the media makes it seem like they don't. Um, Otto Graham won back-to-back titles and then retired over 40 years ago before El, or 40 years before Elway did. Norm Van Brocklin won the 1960 NFL championship and then retired. He was the first quarterback to lead two teams to a championship, not Peyton Manning. So I'm guessing that this just has to do with some of the coverage that has been about Manning and maybe claiming some of those things as the first, um, or having done those first, which in Super Bowl era he did. Um, I really don't know. It, it seems like in recent years, like obviously they, they count to us because otherwise the Packers don't have the most championships in the history of the league. Um, I don't know. I, I, as a nerd of football history, it irritates me. But on the flip side, I don't know how much we can expect from the average fan. And the NFL more than other sports seems to be very focused on today. Um, more than anything else, if it, I mean, it's getting to the point where nobody even talks about Drew Brees' championship or, or even the Packers. It, hardly anybody, I mean, they'll reference them as Super Bowl winners, but nobody's talking about, you know, Kurt Warner or any of those kind of guys that much anymore. Um, they will give lip service to the past when there's guys that, um, you know, are on the different pregame shows and whatever, but, they don't really seem to dive into it quite as much as, as maybe uh, baseball and basketball do, but I don't know. But then again, basketball, they act like the league started when uh, Magic Johnson got drafted. Yeah, that's true, too. That's a good point. I mean, the game was so different. There's no footage. Of course it counts, and I, I almost wish they would talk about it more and and give more stats, but the game was so different that none of the stats compare. Yeah. You can't see it. So it's, I do get why it never really gets talked about, but I do kind of feel a little bit bad for those old teams because like old classic NFL is cool. Yeah. But the, I don't know. It's just, it's not the same. And when you can't witness it or compare stats, it's so hard to even talk about it in kind of the same sentence as the Super Bowl era or even the last 20 years. Yeah. And I think 
I think they like the apples to apples comparison because you, the whole point of talking about that kind of stuff on the NFL network is to get people excited for this upcoming season. Well, if you're talking about guys that are trying to win a championship or win in a playoff format that isn't around anymore, I mean, it's kind of hard to parlay that into, you know, why is the Broncos this year great when you're comparing what they won to what the Packers won in 1962 when they don't really match up, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I don't know. I, I wish they would talk about NFL history more, but, um, what are you going to do? I guess. Um, and Corey Bend did add a couple of things. He said he's beyond sad that Tariko is leaving ESPN. He respected him uh, and thought he was one of the best play by play guys in the business. It must be said that Bayless departing more than makes up for Tariko leaving the day he retires for good will be one of the best days in the history of sports journalism. Um, yeah. First take is so weird. Like I've never heard of anybody who likes it or like likes Skip Bayless, but it's always super high rated. I always wonder who watches that show. Uh, I don't want to get into all that, but it's. Uh, I think there's a type of person that is fueling all of those types of shows in sports and news and politics, and I think it's the people that are available to sit around at home and watch that time of day. <laughs> Um, I will say this. One of my favorite uh, things that I have in my collection is I have a Monday Night Football game from 1994 that has Skip Bayless and Michael Wilbon on it as a roundtable discussion. And Bayless has like this terrible like mullet. And every prediction he made in this hour show ended up being wrong. Like, it was in 1994, and he's like, I think Buffalo is going to just destroy all of these other teams, and anybody who doesn't think they're going to go to the fifth straight Super Bowl is an idiot, and then they didn't win the rest of the year. And then he said Steve Young sucks. He basically talked about Steve Young the way he talks about Aaron Rodgers now, and then, of course, he won the MVP in both the season and the Super Bowl. And I know I mentioned it on the show before, but it's my favorite thing ever, is he had an op-ed article that was picked up by the Journal Sentinel the morning of the Packers-Cowboys game in 97 at Lambeau Field, and he basically trashed the Packers and said that uh, this story that they've been on the last few years is stupid, the Packers culture is stupid, and Dallas is a better town, and Texas is a better state, and the Cowboys are going to destroy the Packers, and then they're going to win all the rest of their games and win the Super Bowl, and then, of course, the Packers won 45-17, to and Dallas didn't win the rest of the year. So it's very skipulousy. And lastly, um, uh, Corey Ben brings up the great point. He doesn't know what to say about the draft. He said, we'll talk about it four years from now. I kind of feel the same way. It's fun to speculate and to dream about how good these guys can be, but we really don't have anything on them right now. They haven't even had a mini camp, so it's really hard to speculate. And he, I have not yet seen the Don Mikowski thing. He shared something on the Facebook page a couple of weeks ago that he was watching an old game from 1988, and they were showing a halftime segment about hidden talents of NFL players, and they showed Don Mikowski strumming Every Rose Has Its Thorn on a uh, guitar, which to me sounded like one of the most 80s things ever. Yeah. So I'll have to uh, to look for that, Corey, and I know you said you have it, so if I can't find it, um, if you if you want to share it somewhere on the page, um, that would be much appreciated. Okay, so that was longer than we anticipated. I hope this was somewhat enjoyable for you all to listen to because uh, we are very rusty. Um, but, Matt, you're going across the pond, so that should be fun, huh? I am, yeah. I'm going to Scotland, uh, leaving on Friday. Cool. I get to get old on Friday. Old? Yeah. 
It'll be 29 on Friday. Oh, yeah, that's fr- that's this Friday already. Happy uh, birthday. Eh, I won't be that happy. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's I, A lot of people at work are already saying, you're going to be 30. I'm like, no, I'm not. Quit jumping the gun. Slow down. Yeah, grapes. Yeah, give me some time. Okay, so um, I don't know when we're going to have another show, probably closer to the uh, actual start of training camp. Um, as always, I appreciate people reaching out on Twitter and on the Facebook page. If you ever have anything you want to discuss, definitely bring it there. Um, always check back to the website every now and then. If I, uh, I have a few ideas in the works, but uh, if you come to know by now on this show that sometimes those come to fruition and sometimes they don't. But either way, uh, we're always grateful for the support of our fans, and thank you so much for listening today. Um, hopefully, as I said, this, today especially. <laughs> today especially. Uh, for Matt in Altoona, I'm Eric at Appleton. Take care, everyone.